Thad Fouché of Wasserman, uh, the longtime agent for Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook, they've parted ways, citing irreconcilable differences and suggested there was no longer full alignment with Westbrook on where he should be next season. Well, I hope Westbrook had a prenup to start with. Um, (laughs) I believe the following, that oftentimes the things that we love about a person in the public eye, and we're talking athletes now, so let's say the athlete, is often what causes things we don't like about them. So a simple thing is, hey, we like men who work hard, but we don't like men who don't pay spend enough time with their kids. But oftentimes those go together. Sure. Um, and you can think of a lot of stuff that applies where you think, okay, to achieve, you know, Michael Jordan, who was uh, maniacally competitive, intensely competitive, but he was the type to do his Hall of Fame speech and be still calling out grievances. So people are like, man, this is the, you're the go and you're going to the Hall of Fame and you're worried about this grievance or that grievance. It's like, that's why he is the GOAT. Right? It, it comes as a package deal. So, AJ, when I am acting a little extreme, you just think package deal and it will calm you a little bit. <laughs> just go to that safe place. But, Good call. But the, but the reality is, I believe with Westbrook, all of the things that he's being criticized for now. And, you know, we call him the way we see him here. Colin is leading that brigade right here in FSR. Now, if you agree with it, And I agree with what he's saying. I mean, like a lot of his conclusions, they're almost undebatable. Westbrook is not, does not play well with others at this point. He is a stubborn player. The question is, is that a sign of a, a failing on his part? Is that a character flaw on Westbrook's part? Or is that what comes with the package that delivered all the good? And I believe it's that. And I want to get into it, but let's start, AJ, with your broad assessment before you hear what I'm going to say. Like, how do you see that, I guess, um, life reality that, 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 that the characteristics that we all often don't like are the source of what we do like in people? I 100% agree with that. And a lot of people say Russell Westbrook is stubborn and difficult to work with. But I think that's how Russell Westbrook got to where he was by being stubborn and, and doing things his way. Yeah. And my question is, I get the whole point that once you enter the club of fame and riches, that it's not fair. I mean, life isn't fair in general, as Eastwood said in The Unforgiven, deserves got nothing to do with it. But I think that it's a little bit more fair that it's unfair to the rich people and the publicly known people because they are benefiting from their notoriety and fame. And thus, if there's an additional cost to it, that's part of it. Um, Now, the poor, the the sad people are the ones that are kind of famous but can't make any money from it. You know, like, you know, to some degree, the Jersey Shore people, their JWoww is famous. I don't know how much money JWoww is making from being JWoww right now. I haven't heard the word J, the, the name JWoww in like four years, but I can tell you. I actually was, heard them. 
the Jersey Shore stars complaining actually this week that the MTV's rebooting Jersey Shore with new jer- with new characters and none of the old characters are happy about it. Well, yeah, when your hairline is 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 way back there, I mean, you know, they made a mistake with Dylan McKay. And I mean, that, they're not going to do that, you know, start a guy in high school that's got like a widow's peak going on or whatever. <laughs> but but the, but the fact, though, I love Dylan, I can't lie. But the fact of the matter is, is that fame comes with responsibility and benefits. And Westbrook has entered that, you know, for a long time, been in the strata of you got FU money, so we're going to say FU to you. You know, if you got FU money, you get a lot of FUs from people without FU money, might be the way to think about it, because that's how they feel good, right? It's like their one sense of, hey, I'll go on Twitter and start yelling at Elon Musk that he's too conservative, and I figure that's going to ruin his day. It's like, okay. But the fact is, some people do get affected by that. And I would make the case that Westbrook, if you listen to the commentary on Westbrook in the media, what percentage of bad would you say it is? Where it's, it's critical, it's negative. A 90%. All right, I agree. So how does it make sense that 90% of it is negative, and we got a guy that if he is looking at his career, it is so far above and beyond what was expected that it's, it's almost like they should be doing an AB, you know, kind of a TV movie of the week about it. I mean, this was a guy, we looked it up, McKenzie. He was, what, ranked 130th in his class coming out of high school? 137th, yep. Yeah. So there was 136 other players in that one class, that one age group, that one grade that were better than him. All right? And then he goes to play in college, does pretty well, gets drafted high. You know, what was he, fourth or whatever, high draft choice. So by OKC. Now, that in itself, to go from 137 to being, you know, in the top five of the draft, because it's, a, in theory, the draft is one year of people, right? It doesn't matter if they come out after the freshman right. year. It's, it's, it's a different group, but it's still one year, one draft class. That's a hell of a jump. And how did he get compensated for that? Well, he got his rookie contract, and it was good money. But let's be honest, when you're whacking it up where half goes to the government and X goes to your manager, who hopefully he had a prenup, as we said, and for after the fact. But the reality is that first contract would have made him fine, but he was, he'd be driving you know, a $30,000 car when he's 50 if that was all the money he had made. And that's if he's lucky, right? A lot of people lose their money. Then, to, and we'll keep this short, Russell Westbrook went on to do something twice that no one has done since Oscar Robinson and the big O. We can sit there and say triple doubles are a counting stat. Triple doubles don't make any sense. Well, I tell you this, Michael Jackson, oh, Michael Jackson, Magic Johnson, I don't know about Michael Jackson's triple doubles, but he had, <laughs> you know, he had like uh, triple gold records, but <laughs> Magic Johnson build a career on triple doubles. It wasn't even a stat till they started keeping it with him. But the assumption was, if you can do it all, that's the stat that it's going to ring up on. And before Westbrook did it, if we would have polled people and said, how sanctified is that triple double record? And if one person and one person alone achieves it, how grand of an accomplishment is that going to be? What do you think the response would have been at the time? 
I mean, it would have been that if, if only one person is going to do it, it's, a, it's one of the most incredible feats ever. I would agree. I mean, if year, Michael couldn't do it, LeBron couldn't do it, Magic couldn't do it, even Magic that loved triple doubles couldn't do it. But one guy in the future, let's say, will. I don't think the answer would have been, well, we're going to realize it's a BS stat and dismiss it. In fact, we're going to be aggressively negative about it because it won an MVP and we don't like that he won an MVP. I don't think that would have been the answer. Yeah, if, if LeBron James had done it with the same numbers, no one would have said it's a BS stat. Now, what's fascinating, and I agree with you, what's fascinating is there's a couple of instances, supposedly, of him aggressively getting a rebound that's uncontested. You know, his other his teammates were there, and but he wanted it. And maybe that is the we could maybe microcosm that moment and say that's the problem, and that's why he hasn't won. And let's set that aside and say maybe we will do that. But the handful of instances that he quote unquote padded his stats that Westbrook did things that wasn't about winning because every time you score a bucket. It helps you win, or almost every time. There's very niche situations. You don't want to score. You just want to hold the ball or whatever. Okay. But for the most part, every time you score, you help your team. Every time you gain an assist, you help your team. Every time you get a rebound, you help your team. Thus, if you fill up the stat sheets, as they say, you've helped your team. If you can identify a couple of times it wasn't about helping the team, it was about you trying to get the triple-double, it's very reasonable to be negative towards that to indict them on that but if you count the number of times that was the case it's he still would have had a triple double and not even close to missing it without them so you might not like the mentality that led him to do that to not make it about the team but make it about his numbers but it didn't really affect the triple double on the season so still he remains not doing it once but twice two successive years Something that no one has done. When was the last... Hey, Mackenzie, check the last time Oscar did that. I, I don't even know if it was the 70s. I think it might have been the late 60s. So, to me, any effort to diminish that triple, double, triple, double, the double, triple, double is to utter BS. What do you think? I, I agree with that. And look at back, Oscar Robertson, 1961-62 season was the triple, oh double God. season. When it was his last year? I thought he played like to 74. That's interesting. He also did it in 67, but that was the last time. Not in the yeah. 70s, never happened in the 80s, et cetera. When did he quit playing Oscar? 74 was his last yeah, season. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so this was early in his career, and he wasn't able to replicate it. And no. if you look at, well, I guess he did it twice. but he, after he once, that, yeah. Yeah, so he only did it twice in his career. Yes. Okay, Oscar Robinson twice, Russell Westbrook twice. No huh. one else. The Big O is held in amazing esteem. Now, he's before my time, so I don't have a great sense of him, but I, always, I knew that. I knew the triple-double. And I remember this, like, slack-jawed speculation about could someone do it? It'd be amazing. It'd be the consummate player that has it all. But not when Westbrook does it. We don't like it. <laughs> and I'll tell you this. And McKenzie can look at this. Look at the points per game or the number of possessions in 67 and look at the possessions the last year Westbrook did it. I bet the possessions are like 10% higher in 67 is my guess. 
So, you know, obviously in the, in the 90s when they were having games 95 to 85, right, it, it would have been harder to do. But it, the speculation was always, well, the faster the game gets, the better chance there is that someone's going to do it. But I believe that probably of the four years it's ever been done in history, and again, we're talking about a triple-double on the season, the four years it's ever been done in history, my guess is the Westbrook has the slowest two years, meaning the least amount of possessions. Now, I could be wrong, but let's agree, AJ, it takes a lot of contortion to diminish this accomplishment. Now, the people have done it. They've contorted, but at least straight out of Vegas-wise, we think it's a heck of an accomplishment. Would you agree? No, yeah, no doubt. The the accomplishment in itself, if you especially if you separate the player from it, which people don't want to do, but if you separate the player from it, it's an incredible achievement. No, but no way around. Why it. would you have? You mean separate the player because they're biased, not because it's necessarily exactly. justified to be critical? All right, so right. Ta- I think people. I think people just have a bias against Russell Westbrook. So because he's the one who accomplished this, they want to find a way to diminish it. I think that's well said. And what made him an MVP? And is that the same characteristics that's causing him trouble now? How would we encapsulate what those or describe what those characteristics are? Is I think it's his willingness to have a lot of people, the market, everyone disagree with him and him say, you're wrong. I believe in myself. And I think that is a double edged sword for sure. So, AJ, usually when you have a tough name to pronounce, you butcher it. How did you did you spend a little time with the phonetic spelling on this one? Uh, McKenzie spent a little time with the with the phonetic spelling. That's hey, he got you the information. He did. That's, that's good. See, you can do it, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, how has Westbrook's stubbornness served him? Well, he was, as we said, 137th recruit, let ranked in his class coming out of high school. He was the a top five pick. So he, through his college years, his stock went way, way up. Now, when he got to the NBA, we talked about his triple-double. Mackenzie, did we find the pace stats on those four? There's only been four seasons in the history of the NBA with a triple-double uh, on the season. Two by Oscar Robinson, two by Westbrook. How, how were the pace those years? Modern pace, there's about 10% less possessions per Game. It doesn't go all the way back to the 60s, so I had to extrapolate from the early 70s, but at least 10% less possessions that Westbrook got his triple-double season in. Okay, so in theory, if you wanted to normalize between the years, and again, we'll broad-stroking it here, you would add 10% to Westbrook's numbers, and that would be fair? Yes. Okay, so it's even more, or, or subtract from Oscars, and I wonder if he even would have had triple doubles on that. Why don't you try that? Do point nine times Oscar numbers and see what happens. Though I guess it'd be a little different. It'd be one ten divided by a hundred, and you know, or it'd be a um, hundred divided by one hundred and ten, not ninety percent, but like ninety one one or whatever. Okay, we're straight out of Vegas. We'll see, but it does, you know, this is all now out in the stratosphere of one guy in the last fifty or you know fifty years has done this, but somehow it's been diminished. Why is it being diminished? So, AJ, let me ask you that. Not talking about anyone in particular, because Colin certainly is not the only one that's anti-Westbrook. He just says it more compellingly than most. That's why he's so good at what he does. Um, How would you characterize the reasons that there seems to be bias against Westbrook? 
I think what you said about him, people not thinking he was a deserving MVP, I think because he's not uh, he's not a guy who, who fans have, have grasped onto as like one of the, the, the likable guys in the league. I don't totally get it. I, I think Russ Westbrook's a fun player. I don't know that I've ever considered him one of like the two or three best in the league, but I think that he's almost been underrated because of the way that fans view him. Yeah, I think likability is oftentimes, and I think if you watch Winning Time on HBO about the Lakers, the rookie season for Magic is what the first season covered, good show, is that Kareem and his willingness, and Colin talks about this, will the athlete let the fans put their arms around him? Will he, uh, will he accept the warm embrace of the fans? Now, some people might say, heck, I want a warm embrace every night. I go to the bar, it doesn't work. I would accept the warm embrace. And you know what? I think most people think that way. But if the player feels like what has to happen to get the warm embrace is for him to compromise his values, to, to be a sellout in a way. So Kareem, and again, I don't have any great expertise in a Kareem, but obviously he was Lou Alcindor. He became Kareem. There was a almost a militant edge to his political feelings it was you know and and it kind of makes sense i don't know if that word is fair but it feels kind of fair and what does militant means it means hardcore it means it's life and death and in a lot of ways politics is different for people as they move up the socioeconomic ladder for rich people politics is about you know keeping their taxes low for the most part for the most part for most of them and then, you know, for the lower class, it's am, am I going to be able to stay alive sometimes? Right? Am I going to have that support system? Kareem was more than fine staying alive, but for the people that he felt akin to, his people, it, it, it life and death is not an unfair statement. So the fact that he was militant maybe makes sense. But the fans don't want that. They want to have fun, you know, with it. Or they want a guy who politically they can agree with. So... And usually the fans in the NBA and the players are different, you know, socioeconomically, which I think is a disconnect, you know, where the NFL, it feels more connected. Maybe that's just marketing. You know, I don't know. But in general, Westbrook really didn't let them embrace him because he kept to his he, he, he didn't even acquiesce. He did acquiesce, meaning I'm, I don't agree with this, but I'm not going to say anything about it. He seemingly made a point to say something he disagreed with whenever he did, and that put people off. Is that fair to say? I agree. Okay. Can you think of a good example of that? I think, I think that. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I was I was going to say I, I think that when people said he needed to take more of a, a backseat role uh, when the when it was him and Kevin Durant and James Harden all in Oklahoma City and he needed to take less of a role from a, an offensive or scoring standpoint to make the team a, ch- a championship team, he wasn't changing what he was doing. Yeah. There was no way he was doing that. And you know something? I do not want to glorify that because in a weird way, one of the great things about Jordan was he went from being a shoot first guy all the time to a shoot first guy 90% of the time. But the 10% difference was really important. And, you know, think about some of the winning shots. Yeah, Jordan made the last shot in the Utah series, but Paxson, you know, um, Kerr, there's still some famous shots where he's kicking out. Right. And that no ends doubt. the series effectively. Westbrook never got that gear. And maybe, though, 
OKC the year they played Miami in the finals were favored entering the finals and had home court advantage, they never won. And it's hard to say that this isn't been proven, meaning he wore out his welcome well, he didn't wear out his welcome in OKC, but he he didn't compromise. He didn't evolve into what they wanted. And now, obviously, Durant was able to do that with Golden State and won championship. He evolved. He won championships. Now, Harden hasn't evolved as much. Like, you think about it, Harden's stubborn and Westbrook is stubborn. They were on the same team. <laughs> and they yet to have a title between them. I mean, I believe right. that the criticisms are correct. But my point is, if Westbrook was any other way, he w- we, w- we would not know his name. Because if he accepted what people said, if he said, huh, I don't agree with that, but a majority does. And there is a wisdom to crowd element that I just can't buck. All right. If he said that, he probably is a school teacher and a gym, co- a gym teacher right now. Or whatever, I don't know. But he probably isn't in the NBA because the 137th guy in your senior year in high school probably doesn't typically make the NBA. Much less become a league MVP. Yeah, but as my point is, he wouldn't even be in the NBA. You're saying, hey, maybe he would get in the NBA, maybe not, but we would hardly know his name even then, and I think that's fair. I agree. But I'm not sure it needed to be restated. We're straight out of (laughs) Vegas. But AJ, you got a pretty strong example of of this just recently. Well, yeah, and the, the agent, the, who Dad Fouché, who made, he had a quote, now with the possibility of a fourth trade in four years, the marketplace is telling the Lakers they must add additional value with Russ in any trade scenario. And even then, such a trade may require Russ to immediately move on from the new team via buyout. Yes. My belief is that this type of transaction only serves to diminish Russ's value, and his best option is to stay the, stay with the Lakers, embrace the starting role and support that Darvin Ham publicly offered. Russ is a first ballot Hall of Famer, and he will prove that again before he's retired. Now, when you look at the fact that they split, he and the agent split based on irreconcilable differences, it tells you Russ doesn't think he should stay with the Lakers. He believes that that's not his best option. And what does it what would it mean to stay with the Lakers? What does it mean to move on in in his eyes? I think in his eyes, staying with the Lakers means playing a role that he's not comfortable playing, focusing in on defense, yes. letting LeBron and Anthony Davis be the heroes, and you just do the dirty work. I don't think Russ views himself as that guy. I agree. That's well said. So now what he's saying is, though it will be the fourth trade, it will maybe even be perceived by people to weaken me. I'm going to prove them wrong because I can't prove them wrong in L.A. Because if I'm playing that, you know, uh, doing the dirty work role, I'm, I'm always going to be secondary. I'm, even if we win a title, it's going to feel diminished. Now, we might all think it'd be better to do that. But he, does, you know, he doesn't think so. You know why? Because he's very self-involved. He, I, don't, I don't throw around like t- psychiatric terms like narcissist or whatever. But I, I, it seems like he's very self-involved. And you know what? He, he'd be a gym teacher if he wasn't. And we don't have to like it now, but we have to accept that for him, it's so much better. He's, he's beaten so many odds, AJ. Go ahead. Yeah, so for us to say well, this is an irrational confidence in himself, that it doesn't make any sense to the outside, like that, that's all he knows. And, and every time that someone said it's irrational that you think that, he's proven them wrong, and that's what his career has been. So why should he change it now? I, again, very well said. So let's do this. I'm going to wrap this story up profoundly, I think. 
right, here's the way I'll wrap this up. If Westbrook is sitting with his loved ones or by himself, like Citizen Kane, like like Kane where he didn't have anyone at the end, just his sled, his old childhood sled. And <laughs> if you haven't seen Citizen Kane, you should see it. Is Westbrook would say, huh, I came from an impoverished upbringing. Odds were better that I'd get killed than before I got out of that area than me making the NBA. I was 137th in my senior rankings. Best player, 137th in the country, but one class, one year. I excelled at college, got drafted in the top five. I'm a certain one uh, first ballot Hall of Famer, and I'm one of two men in history to ever have a triple-double on a season. How in the heck can't you? I mean, who among (laughs) us has that? Resume. None among us, and, yeah. and really, I mean, yeah, it's, it's a, it's an incredible feat. It will take me at least another five years to get there, and to me, but you know, <laughs> but to me, it's, it's in shouting distance, but it, it's not there. And the reality is that there seems to be something wrong with ninety percent of the criticism or of the comment on him being critical when he his only way here was the path that he took. And to expect, and I get it. Once you get in that, this is how we started the conversation. Once you get in that superstar club, you got to take the criticism. But I think it's given the wrong message. Because if I'm a kid, if I'm the next Westbrook, and I'm stubborn, I'm a junior in high school, they're telling me I can't play NBA. And they did say that. I believed them. I said, you know, you're right. But (laughs) the next Westbrook shouldn't believe them. But if they see everyone being so critical of Westbrook, what, what, what incentive does that, how does that influence those kids? I think negatively to say, you know, you, you should agree. believe the yeah, hegemony. Away. Yeah. And I think in general, the society, we can talk Democrat, Republican, we can talk rich, poor, we can talk black, white. There's all kind of ways to divide people up. But I think the probably the most important or one of the most important dividers you don't hear about, it's the people who benefit from when the masses follow what the powers to be say. And it's the people who benefit from a little bit of rebellion. And I'm not talking about rebellion against the government. I'm talking about saying, oh, you're saying the masks are not good for us. Certain people say, yes, yes, overlord of scientific knowledge. And others say, well, wait a minute, why wouldn't the mask? And then one week later, the masks are good for you. In fact, if you don't wear them, you're doing an evil upon the earth. Yes, Mr. Scientific Knowledge. Yeah. There's two types. And whoever, you know, Russell Brand has a great daily kind of 10-minute podcast where he's just trying to figure everything out. He's a smart guy that went into comedy, whatever, and he's like not acting like an expert. He has like 4 million people watch it every day. It's a big thing. And it's like he's questioning these things. And you know who hates those questions the most is the powers that be, the ones who are dictating the rules. They don't want question. They hate it. Because oftentimes, some of the time, what they're saying isn't true. So questioning it, it's dangerous for them because they can be uncovered, exposed. Westbrook didn't buy into all of the, hey, here's the way you're supposed to be. Here's what you're supposed to believe. And you know what? Oftentimes, that is that's frustrating especially when he's playing wrong about stuff. But 
because he is sometimes. But to not acknowledge the good that came from it for him, I think, tells a, a biased version of the story. Closing thoughts, AJ? No, I think you, you wrapped it up perfectly right there. That's All well right. said. Thank you. When we come back, we have a best bet in the All-Star Game Home Run Derby. 